Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. everyone and welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. We are your hosts, Sean and Tom, and we are joined by the wonderful, the talented, the frankly knackered, if his social medias are anything to be believed recently, because deadlines are just killer. It's the wonderful Darren Scott, editor of SFX Magazine. How are you, sir? I'm not as knackered as I was, but I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. And I'm happier for hearing you're not as knackered as you were. (laughs) I've had a lovely weekend of of calming down after a very busy press week. So uh, I'm on that post post uh, press day glow. Um, that is so. Like that's something I want to ask all about because you know we have an ulterior motive for inviting you on. Is that we just think what you do is really cool. Um, and plus, uh, of course, SFX is now a a sister co- company colleague of Trek Culture as well because of decisions made way above our pay grade several several years ago <laughs> i mean it's nice to have some other geeky um, outlets in the company i have to say um you know sfx has been around for nearly 30 years and um we're kind of i guess i guess in a way we're kind of left alone because people don't really know what it is or why we do it but um uh it's nice to have yourselves and who culture along for the ride now is because we, we don't feel quite so uh alone i mean we're part of the film group but um obviously we do uh, uh, our own sort of niche things as well so um well it's it it, it it's fun as well because obviously you know we are all you know legitimate writers and performers here but it's nice to have a publication like yourself it adds an air of legitimacy to what we do as well i mean I, i'm not gonna lie so that is that is quite exciting for us well i mean it's it's great to do it i i still kind of pinch myself on a daily basis that it's my job you know i kind of wake up and think oh, what madness shall I get involved with today? And it's, um, yeah, I still, I mean, I'm nearly coming up on five years at SFX now. And um, I still can't quite believe that I landed this dream job. Well, I tell you what, you, you mentioned madness there. So here's my segue. Speaking of madness, let's discuss the most recent episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, season four, episode eight, Caves. I believe it's set in a cave. So well, you I- have seen it. <laughs> But I have to confess, 
I haven't actually got up to episode eight yet. I'm sorry. Don't hate me, Star Trek fans. My goodness. In a Trek culture podcast first. Um, <laughs> no, but that that, that is absolutely serious. But, but, but Darren, pray tell, why? Why have you not seen this episode yet? Because another science fiction show has been wooing me with... Uh, with cattle calls and all kinds of things for my attention in the last couple of months, uh, which has a significant anniversary in November. So um, we've been very, very busy putting together a special edition of SFX that comes out on the 1st of November, um, which Who Culture might be very interested in. So I'm afraid that's eaten up all of my time. And I've literally just in the last weekend been able to decompress and get back to watching Lower Decks. I'm only five episodes in, I'm afraid. Because Paramount did send me them because they are brilliant and they love us, we love them. And I just didn't have time to watch them because that is the the curse, I suppose, uh, of editing this magazine is that there's so much genre content that we're not obviously one specific franchise or IP or anything like that, that we, we do kind of sometimes have to do catch-ups and certain things get put to you know, through third or fourth position of uh, things to watch. So it doesn't mean I don't love you, Lower Decks. It just means that my attention was elsewhere temporarily. Yeah, it's it's a weird world that we live in now for us three of like getting paid to watch the things that you love watching. And sometimes you have to watch one over the other because it's work. So it's a, it's a strange thing. <laughs> Wait, you get paid? Yeah, well, yeah, Tom, 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 <laughs> cut that bit, cut okay, that bit. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I say paid. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It is kind of bizarre because people don't really understand that. You know, as much as much as you watch these things because you love them and you really want to see them, it is also your work. It's a strange thing when those two worlds collide. I mean, it's obviously a brilliant thing as well, but it is very strange when your job just doesn't stop because of things that you enjoy you don't just you don't do them in the the working hours necessarily only it's such a strange thing it's a great position to be in but um yeah it is very strange i still feel really weird during the day thinking all right i've got to watch this episode of star trek yeah. because it's work <laughs> um because people go well no it's not and you well, it actually is it's <laughs> it is oh you know right so yeah. yeah i mean what a what a ridiculous but brilliant position to be in yeah, I, I watched this most recent Lower Decks episode last night and it's not like I can just sit back and relax and watch it. I'm watching it going like, okay, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about this compared to the other episodes? Like, am mm. I enjoying this thread they're doing? It, all that kind of stuff. Like, so it is, um, I promise everybody it is work, honestly. We aren't just watching things. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> it, it's funny, the, the way we, uh, obviously we, we we love our work, don't get us wrong, but I haven't watched a new episode of Star Trek without a pen and paper in front of me since about season two of Discovery, which has, it is, again, it is the best complaint in the world. Um, like I, 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 and also I, I, I feel, I feel very torn, Darren, I, you know, I should be like, oh, you know, you should be dedicating more time to Star Trek. However, as you say, yeah, as, 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 you know, part of who culture, I'm a bit like, I get it. I get it. I'm very excited. Um, what can you tease us about the upcoming issue? It's a magazine, and it's, <laughs> well, no, it's very special. Uh, it comes with it comes specially wrapped uh, with lots of lovely things inside. Not only a magazine, you'll also be getting other um, 
who related goodies and lots of extra stuff and um yeah there was a lot of moving parts to this but um in terms of doctor who content i mean i've said this on twitter but uh, doctor who fans are going to eat um if you think about the what we did for star trek throughout the year that was basically what i wanted to to do for doctor who so it was quite good because obviously russell t davis who's the showrunner of doctor who he looked at the coverage we were giving to Picard and Strange New Worlds and was going, I want that. So um, we gave him it. Um, so, you know, it's uh, sort of leading it back to Star Trek. I mean, it, it has had a very, very, very good year in terms of um, in, uh, for us being able to to go big and do the coverage and just give it so much space to breathe. It's been brilliant. It's just been the best. Um, you know, obviously there has been ups and downs and there's been the strikes and all kinds of stuff, but we are, um, we're raring to go behind the scenes. You know, there are conversations going on right now about various other Star Trek projects that um, obviously some have been announced, um, but uh, obviously all, all, all hinges on when things get back to, to normal business. But, um, you know, the, the Star Trek love in SFX is certainly, uh, it's, it's, it's 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 still it's coming there's big plans and um, i'm very very excited to be able to do a lot more for star trek next year but at the moment doctor who is back and uh, it's i don't know it's like um it's a strange thing to have these I mean, it's strange but wonderful to have these these shows in such prominent positions now and to be able to to be working on this magazine while those shows are are big things again because obviously there's been cycles where you know star trek hasn't been as as much in production or things like that so um this is just it's a lot of work but it's it's also just fantastic and it's yeah it's it almost feels surreal but that is i mean <clears throat> you you've put it beautifully it's you know if if we ever you know, if we ever run into a week where, oh, there's like three trailers have come out and there's a new episode and there's news, you kind of have to pinch yourself and go, hang on, am I, am I complaining about the fact there's too much Star Trek content yeah. at the moment? Or then, obviously, uh, you're so right, we're, we're getting that a lot now on Doctor Who, on Who Channel, as uh, Who Channel, am I even on the channel, <laughs> Who Culture, um, <laughs> at the moment as well. I mean, like myself and obviously Ellie Littlechild, we're daily discussing, right, what we're going to do for this, what we're going to do for this. It's exciting. Um, and, it, you know, I we, we mentioned just before the pod started recording, um, I wanted to ask you, so obviously SFX is a print magazine and... I think if you were to believe some of the naysayers, sure, print is over, that's the end of it. And yet SFX appears to be flourishing. How has that been for you in the publishing trade, in the industry? What's it like? Well, I, print's always been in decline. So ever since I've been in this, these, these kinds of roles, and that's been going on 20 years now. Obviously, I started very young, um, but um, I don't think it's ever going to go away. I mean, if you look at, I mean, this is such a, a naff comparison, but if you look at vinyl, like I, I mean, I remember when vinyl was being phased out and nobody cared and, you know, it, it didn't entirely go away. And then it's come back as this kind of bespoke, gorgeous, lovely thing that everybody wants to have. And I genuinely think that's the road we're going down with with print. I think that... You know, if you look at bookazines and and fan packs and all that kind of stuff, um, that's where that's where that's where the future lies for these things. I think there will still be certain 
um, regular niche publications. And I hope that SFX is one of them. I mean, we're one of the last last one standing, really, if you think about, certainly in terms of a monthly science fiction magazine um, that's, that's not um, a licensee product. I mean, um, I think that there is there is a future for it. It's just, it needs to have all these different strands to it, I think now, which is obviously as you guys are, you know, you're doing, you're doing your thing and I, I couldn't do what you do. So, um, uh, I, you know, I do appreciate that there's all these different other elements that go into it now. Um, but my heart is always going to be in, in print, um, and obviously trying to, uh, very much support that going and still being a thing, which is very difficult now when you put out a new issue and then the same day, everybody shares the content on, um, on the internet. But, uh, you know, it's trying to, trying to police that's like herding cats, I think really. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely a future in it. It's just, it's not as vibrant as it was. Certainly before COVID things were looking up and I think, it's been very difficult to get that back because people aren't going out as much. People are, you know, people are traveling, but magazine sales haven't really picked up to the point that they were at pre-COVID. I, I, th- I think it was interesting what you were saying. Like my friend's dad has been buying Empire magazine since like the eighties. And he has these huge stacks of all these old copies and I can spend hours just looking through them. I think that sort of collectible thing is a really interesting way of looking at it. I've never thought about it like that. But like, you know, I, just the other day I was in like a post office and I saw this, um, I'm a D&D nerd and I saw this D&D magazine and I got so excited and like it was for like beginners and stuff, but I just love picking up, looking at the things they've got in it, looking. So I think, yeah, that sort of physical media is never really going to go away. It's just changing how we sort of look at it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, it's about packaging things, certainly, like certainly when we've done, we did uh, Dark Crystal, we did Stranger Things, uh, we've done Doctor Who. So we, when we know there's a big fan base, we try and package it in a different way so that we're able to bring a bit, bit more to it so that it's it's a desirable thing so that people go, oh, actually, you know, this doesn't, this is a new way of getting it. So there's posters and there's stickers and there's art cards and all that kind of stuff. So when we did Stranger Things, we sold out, you know, and we could have sold that magazine three times over. Um, so it's it's about realizing that that new fan bases exist as well as, as pre-existing ones, um, but finding new ways to bring people to it. So things like you know, obviously TikTok, Instagram, um, Twitter, Snapchat, all that kind of stuff feeds into it. And once word gets out that something is available, and it reaches an audience then they you know they know that it exists i think the problem with a lot of these things is that certain generations perhaps don't they're not going into news agents or post offices or whatever so they don't they don't even think that a a magazine would exist for something it's just something that certainly you know i'm an older generation and i've always known that there's been these kinds of things so i seek them out so there's the difference there you're trying to you're trying to appeal to an audience that doesn't really know you exist, which is really strange when I talk about SFX because it is a, a, a legacy brand. It's been around 30, nearly 30 years. And what's been weird about that is the um, the content of it has now become absolutely mainstream. When it started in 1995, um, it was not 
uh, a, a cool thing. It was it was on one of those magazines that you would basically hide inside a tabloid sort of thing, because people didn't necessarily want you to know that they were a geek, because geeks weren't necessarily, you know, accepted in the wider sphere, shall we say? I mean, geeks have always been cool. Like geeks, definitely my people, but now it's so mainstream. You know, your Marvels, your Star Trek, Star Wars, and your Star Trek, and all that kind of stuff is so. That Dungeons and Dragons, like you said, there's a magazine for it now for beginners because it's all come into the mainstream and it's all become cool. But somewhere along the way, SFX, nobody sort of picked it up and went, oh, actually, here's this product that appeals to all of these people. We should push it out. And I think it's just, it has such a loyal readership, but it's about getting it under new noses that's the thing and, and seeing the kind of stuff that you mentioned there in Empire, the fact that there's all this history, there's the, all of these things that have been chronicled over the years and kept and there's you know all the behind the scenes and the design features and the things that you just really don't get online i would say we well, maybe you do but you know I, in a mainstream sense for a you know a magazine that that we're producing that's available in supermarkets that's a dying art i think there's only very few titles do that kind of stuff so i think it is something that needs to be um preserved and cared for and nurtured and you know and i would love it to get a wider recognition again as we head towards that anniversary 30 years for for, for a second to everyone listening we're going to we're going we're going to say goodbye to darren for a second and you probably sit there like hey wait what no just we're gonna uh, myself and tom are just gonna we're gonna cover lower decks um and then we're gonna take a Quick pause, as I say, and then we're going to jump to the news with yourself, Darren. I will see you in a bit then. So while Darren cools his heels there for a couple of minutes, um, um, so Lower Decks Caves, what did you think? Yeah, this episode was... I was going to say a roller coaster, but that seems too extreme for what it was. It was a a, a rise in enjoyment, I would say. Um, oh, nice! It sort of began with going, "Okay, it's a cave episode. This is fine." Oh, okay, it's a cave episode where they're going to tell a story about other cave episodes, and then, but then as it went on, I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm actually enjoying this, and I and I like the joke." that it's like look everyone has done caves and uh, like multiple times and we're going to do it over and over again and we have all these stories like that joke clicked for me sort of after about 10 15 minutes and then and then i ended up enjoying the episode do you know what actually i so to to, to kind of explain so myself and chris talked about this because i think chris said this is his favorite episode of the season um and we, we were literally like, this sounds so cynical. We, we try not to give perfect scores too much because, you know, if, if every episode gets a perfect score, then what does a perfect score mean? Yeah. But I could, we could not in good, there's nothing. We just could, we, we could I'm, I'm sure maybe if we, we'll go back and there's this thing, but it would be pure nitpicking. Like this was just a nice little breather. Um, there's nothing really about the overall the overall story arc going on in this episode. Um, like, you know, it doesn't touch on who the, the Yokies that are, uh, yeah. now, we now know kidnapping things. Um, and it was just, it was just good. Do you know what I mean? It was a nice little vignette show, not a clip show. These are different because it is, yes. it is not with the exception of like a bit of a scene. 
Yeah, the very Intend- end, right? Yeah, Intendi's yeah. bit, bit, yeah. Uh, it, it's all new footage. Uh, and I like that, you know? Like, yeah. I like vignette episodes because um, it gives you a chance to do, like, you know, lots of shows, the what-ifs, or, mm-hmm. you know, and it works because it was cool, it was punchy. Um, I just really enjoyed it. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those episodes, really, where it's like, yeah, it was good. I was worried towards the beginning, I think, the reason my enjoyment sort of went up as it went along was that I was worried that a, a, a show that the episodes are so sort of short anyway, mm-hmm. having a few, like you said, vignettes um, would be sort of frustrating of like having so many short stories in a short episode. But I quickly, that quickly just, but I abandoned that because I was like, oh, I'm actually enjoying these short things and I'm I'm enjoying seeing what they do with each one, you know, considering that each one is set in a cave. So what are they going to do that's interesting? Here's the thing. So I don't know if you remember this. Last episode, I think it was last episode, I talked about how, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a Stranger Worlds episode where they were like stuck on a planet and they had to figure out how to communicate with like these aliens of animals um, to then get them out of the situation they were in. And they did that in this episode. One of the vignettes was communicating with an animal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they did it. Okay, fine. <laughs> that is. So uh, just, you know, just if anyone's in any doubt about, obviously the creative team are listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just like, you know, each of the stories as well was, they were pretty much as good as each other. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, I really enjoyed Boimler and Levy. I got a great kick out of that one. Um, and yeah, Rutherford and Tana, just give me more of that. Yeah. Um, but then Mariner and Delta Shift as well. It just kept hitting all the right notes. Yeah. Uh, and even in in these, like, I mean, they, were they even five minute segments? You, so, you sort of feel for the guy, you feel for Levy when he gets yeah. really upset by Boimler. You know, you frankly kind of care about this little clone baby. Um, but more so, you're like, you're watching Tana soften up. Uh, right. you know, you see, you kind of care about Delta Shift, uh, and then Tendi, it's the same, it's the, the crew, so you care about them. Yeah. Um, this is how you do short, short form well, I think. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Each one had an emotional sort of point to them, but they were all funny throughout. Um, for me, what I got towards the end of this episode, and this, this, this might sound like a a bad thing to people, but it really isn't. It kind of felt like a really good Cartoon Network show, mm. like like a Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network kind of like cartoon. Like you, you kind of had that feeling at the end of ah, like that was nice. <laughs> like it was an episode about the main characters being friends, and then the actual episode, you know, it began of them being like, oh, we all get to do this together, and then the whole episode was about them as people, um, you know, and it being a cave episode you know, that's a classic ball episode kind of thing. And then they made a, a show, an episode about that as a concept. So like, it was so just like, oh, that was nice. That I kind of reminded me of like cartoons I used to watch growing up and stuff. So I think that's why it's such like a, it's a difficult one to to really analyze because they just, they did a good job at the thing they were trying to do. That's it. And like, I'm not, I, 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 bleh. there I am trying to make a point. Basically, you've made the point. It's great. What's your, what's your score? Yeah. Well, the score might sound <laughs> three. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's going to sound strange. I think it's not my favorite episode of the season. I think I'm giving it like a light seven 
a very strong six to a light seven, I'd say. Um, I listen. Anyone listening along, that's a good score. Yeah, you know, for me, that's um, a great score because it didn't have anything that super excited me or I found super funny. It was just a well crafted, good episode sort of thing. So for me, like a light seven is is perfectly acceptable. And if every episode was a light seven, then you've got a, a great show. Do you know what I mean? I, I I agree. I you know because uh, I am I'm like an excited puppy with these things. I am giving it an eight. Yeah. Um, I I just yeah I just really enjoyed it. Uh, and also, I realized halfway through the, watching the ups and downs back. If I'd realized while recording, this would have been better. But halfway through the ups and downs watching back, I realized it's Vendorians, not Vendronians. I can only apologize for <laughs> all of the mispronunciations in uh, yeah. ups and downs. I, I wouldn't mind, but I think the very last time I say it, I get it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been avoiding saying it this whole episode because I just know I couldn't remember <laughs> how to say it. So I've just not been saying it. <laughs> Squid people. Yeah. yeah. But they were great as well. It was fun to see them. Yeah. It was great. Squid people. Yeah. Uh, no. All right. Let's see what Darren's up to. Okay. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. centuries you're listening to the federation news network and everyone will be delighted to know we're now welcoming darren back to the pod welcome back darren <laughs> oh, you've been ages where have you been <laughs> I, I know you see we were talking our decks and then we got into it and then we went off for a lovely three-course meal and we decided well we couldn't not have a massage while we were at it so you know <laughs> um but we don't get paid for this <laughs> no, no no that all comes out of our pocket yeah <laughs> um the so you know, it, it, I suppose, in fairness, we're, we're talking to no better person when it comes to the news, um, because I suppose the, the the big thing really at the moment is this is Prodigy's big week. So uh, October the 28th, uh, we're going to be celebrating Star Trek Prodigy. Um, 
Uh, we have some some cool and fun content coming up for that. That includes an additional podcast with the lovely Aaron Waltke. And we have some fun. To, watch, out, watch out on the socials. Myself and Ellie have some fun stuff coming out for that. Um, and the other news, I guess, is that it was announced yesterday as of recording that SAG-AFTRA is going to be sitting down again for negotiations this week after negotiations sort of paused, shall we say, uh, the other week. So hopefully that will be good news for everyone, particularly for us. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, I'm obviously, I'm absolutely pro, pro workers and um, I support the strikes 100%. Um, and I desperately want the actors to get back to work um, so that they can start earning again and also all the other parts of the business that are obviously out of work. But also, I do want to be back on set. I can't, I can't deny it. I want to be back on this, uh, this bridge of a starship. So um, I hope they do sort this out. Not just because of my selfish reasons, but... That's uh, that's okay, because I think, to be fair, you're, although, although your selfish reasons might be slightly special that you get on the set, um, I think it's, it's shared across everyone. You know, we want... We we want everyone we want everyone back to work. Yeah, you know that's that's it's as easy as because um, I think as as it stands we are we have confirmed for twenty twenty four we know Prodigy season two is coming we know Discovery season five is coming and we know Lower Decks season five is coming and now that is a lot of content for one year anyway. But like there's, you know, Strange New World season three is, um, I mean, the writers may be working, but of course, none of the actors are there to be able to make the show. And any of the other productions, I think, I think writing has continued now on Starfleet Academy. Um, and they're just the ones we're aware of, you know, um, Section 31 is, it's happening. I, 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 the, 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 I think the last update I saw was, yes, it's happening. Um, and you know, so we're just very, very anxious probably for that. But of course, we want everyone who is working on these things to be happy to be working on them. If yes, that's exactly. yeah, way, way to put it. I thought they there was something going on. I can't remember what the exact wording of it was, where they were going back to do final shots for Discovery Five. I think obviously to wrap it up. Um, I think they, they did that before the strike, done. right? So, so yeah, I. Yeah. Of course, the other sort of fallout of the strike is that a lot of people are now kind of going, right, what have we got and how can we sort of eke that out? Eke being a technical term, obviously. <laughs> it's it's They're kind of thinking, well, there's going to be a period now where there's not going to be very much and we need to spread that across the year. So although, you know, you have mentioned that um, obviously uh, Prodigy and Lower Decks and Discovery are done, it's not going to really, because because obviously a prodigy has gone to a new home, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's not that's not really going to play into necessarily Paramount Plus's plans for a rollout of how they can sort of spread the content through the year. So I think we are going to go into a period where there's going to be a little bit less because we're almost we're sort of depleting the stock of what's been filmed, and then it's going to take a while to get things back up and running once there, once an agreement has been reached. So certain certain outlets have had, uh, what's the word? Um, not there's a, a a get around. I can't remember what it's called. An allowance from um, from the the unions to keep filming. Like for example, you know, Walking Dead uh, had one for Daryl Dixon. So certain things will still be coming, but there's not going to be as much. Certainly not as much genre content. I don't think so. Um, 
it's going to be interesting to see where they place Discovery. Because I'm, I'm assuming Lower Decks will probably be around the same time next year. That's um, obviously like I have no confirmation, but yes, I think I think we'd be so Lower Decks around kind of late summer. Mm. Um, Discovery, in a way, the world's their oyster. You know, imagine it was done and ready to go today. They could they could put that out first of January, or they could say, well, "Hang on to December," because you know we don't know what's coming. We you know, uh, obviously, I would not like to wait as long as December because um, I want to see the bloody show. Well, I I think I mean I think we're not we're not going to see that until next year. I don't think, and hopefully early next year, because obviously I think what they probably want and is and is, as is as it deserves, they would like I can only imagine they would want the cast to be able to celebrate, and it would be a terrible shame if um, Discovery aired season five aired, and because of the strike action, the cast weren't allowed to take part in in saying goodbye. Um, mm. So, yes, as much as I want to see it, I would like to see the the casting uh, cast be able to join in the celebration of, of quite an important, I mean, really, really quite important part of Star Trek history. Um, so, yeah, here's hoping that it doesn't get dropped very quickly uh, if the strike isn't. I mean, I'm you know, touch wood, hoping that the strike gets resolved very, very quickly. I'm, I'm I really, I, I was hoping that the the negotiations the other week were going to be more fruitful. So mm. hopefully this time around, because um, it's such a weird thing. And I don't, I, again, I don't mean to be selfish, but when I started this job, um, I think I was about a year into it when COVID happened. So everything just stopped. And then of course, when they did get back into filming TV shows and things like that. So we weren't able to go on set for Strange New World. So I haven't been on the Enterprise yet. Poor me. Um, <laughs> um i have been on the discovery several times obviously darling but um it's uh we we, because they they didn't allow people to come back into uh, filming and that weren't necessary obviously so Mm. it was very much close set so there's so it's a weird thing that my sfx journey has been there's been moment there's been so many brilliant things but there's been moment high points of being able to do these incredible things like going to san diego comic con for example um last year and, and meeting the cast of, of strange new worlds and all of that but um there's yeah until until it gets back into everything's clear again it's going to be nice to just have a a run of everything sort of almost being normal you know after covid and then the strikes and it's just i would just like to see i mean not not so that we haven't been starved for genre content i have to say but it would be nice just to see everything just go back to being lovely and that's my utopian view that's my Star Trek view of life, generally. It's it's very Roddenberry. Yes, no, no, I, I like that. And and you know, to all of the relevant parties who are listening right now, come on, folks, do the right thing. Get Darren on the bridge of the Enterprise. That's what this has all been about from day one. Um, and you know, if we can do that, come on, we can do anything. I'm not getting any younger, so come on. <laughs> uh, that's all right. We'll just reboot you in a while. It's what we do. Um, you know. <laughs> um, I possibly speaking of, I think what we should do now is take a trip to Cargo Bay 101. <laughs> so, 
So, um, Cargo Bay 101, as I'm sure you're all aware, it's very, very simple. What we do is we invite our guest to take any one thing from everything Star Trek on screen, off screen, all all around it, stick it in Cargo Bay 101, and then we challenge them to defend its blasting out into space. So, for example, Darren, if you hated Naomi Wildman, you would have to convince the pair of us to decompress her and blast her out into space, uh, which would be (laughs) best of luck, I would say, for that one. But yes, what do you have for us today? Oh, God, this is going to sound so basic of me, but... The thing, the thing that immediately springs to mind that I'd like to blow out of an airlock is toxic fandom. Oh, okay. Interesting. I mean, that, that, so, all right. We are, we are three people who spend more time online than is probably healthy for, for any part of us, really, particularly our mental health. Uh, what would be, as if it needs explaining, what would be your reasons for blasting toxic fandom out into space? So here's the thing. When I started at SFX, I just thought, oh my God, all these people that love all this, they're going to love this stuff like I love this stuff. And I thought all these these people that interact with us on social media, because it is more about social media than anything else, as you probably know. Um, everybody has a voice now and they feel that they need to use it. And I, so I just genuinely thought everyone's going to love the fact that these shows are coming back, um, that we've got, you know, our, our childhood joys are returning in new forms and all that kind of stuff and it was such an eye-opener to me and this is not unique to star trek i have to say um but uh it has star trek has does seem to have got a lot of the the um vitriol i think online in in recent years um because it was one of the ones i one of the first ones i think the sort of um franchises that came back and almost you know rebooted restarted itself i think i would say um possibly a while after Doctor Who. So Doctor Who was kind of not quiet, but it was the, the buzz wasn't as big as it had been in 2005, 2006, perhaps. And um, so I was just very, very, very surprised at the um, the the fandom and how vocal, vocal they were about things that they disliked. And not necessarily just sort of going, oh, well, you know, this isn't a very good episode or I didn't enjoy that story or I don't like that character, but just an absolute loathing of um franchises and there's certainly you know the words that get thrown around now are you know woke and uh, all that kind of stuff and that seems insane to me but we did uh something for masters of the universe which was an, a netflix animation by kevin smith and um again that was it was moving the story on from the original series uh and I had never seen, I'd never experienced that kind of of anti-fandom uh, for people that just were not on board with the fact that it, that it had different things, that it, it had uh, um, people of colour, it had uh, women in positions of authority, and I'm sure that these things resonate with Star Trek fans. Um, and I was just absolutely taken aback by it. And I, I suppose my my overriding thing is is uh why why be like that i don't get it i don't understand it but secondly um what you what you had that you 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 know you claim to love so much that you don't want it to be any different it still exists it's still there whatever it was that you liked you could watch it until you're blue in the face as far as i'm concerned it's still there and having another version or a, a follow-on or a new thing doesn't change that it doesn't erase it it doesn't take it away 
Um, and, you know, this is again across all kinds of things. You know, the fact that there's been a new version of The Little Mermaid. What does it matter to you if, if there's a new version that you don't want to watch or you don't like? We'll just watch the original. So I find that with Star Trek, there are a lot of elements of things that people don't like that there's changes or that society has changed over the over the years or that um people's opinions have have widened broadened got better and and i think that you there's a lot of losing the whole point of what roddenberry's original vision was was about and where it came from and why and what the, the the sort of overriding message has been through Star Trek, through all of its iterations. And I I can't understand how, some, how people can watch the show, profess to love it, and then really completely misunderstand the whole point of it. So um, blast them all out and let them have that conversation in subspace temperatures. And uh, we'll just get on with enjoying the show that we love. Um, I, I mean, like it's 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 very very difficult to disagree with <laughs> any of that to the point where I don't disagree with any of that. Um, it's it, it it is now maybe it's because um, obviously I, I I move in the the Trek and the Who fandoms, um, but you're right. We, we there is a lot of vitriol. Oh, yes. uh, there's a lot of I mean, it, it to the point where it feels like people are personally uh, upset and offended, and yeah. I, you know, every every look, everyone's entitled to like or dislike whatever they want. You know, Tom hates Star Trek, for example. <laughs> you know, um, and he he masks it well. I'll give him that. Uh, he's you know he he has I think was it fifty burner accounts now that. Um, you know, odds are every first comment on any post is Tom under another account. Yeah. <laughs> so you shouldn't say that because now you're going to have people going, uh, getting a bit upset by that kind of thing. Yeah. I, just I just don't understand. I mean, I think recently I've kind of, it's not, not wanting to get all kind of Zen-like with it, but I do, I do appreciate. And I realize that life is, it is really short. So enjoy it. Like don't, I don't see why you would waste time getting so worked up over what is essentially, I know this is sacrilege, but it's a TV show. You know, yeah. I love it. I love it to death. I've got a house full of merchandise. Um, it's been a, a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, but also, you know, people always say, get out and touch grass. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but also realistically, we're so lucky to have all of this stuff. We're so lucky to be able to escape into these worlds and these universes and these characters. And I never, ever want that to end. I don't want it to end for me. I don't want it to end for generations to come. I think it's so incredible that we're given that. Why can't you just go, okay, well, that wasn't for me. And then just go about your day. Go and do something else. You know, don't do it just... And uh, by no means am I the happiest person on earth, but I ju it's just not worth getting angry and arguing with people on the internet about. It really isn't. Just don't be hateful. What's the point? It's going gonna, it's gonna to age you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. Um, it's, it, there is, I, I, like, I know there's, we're in a, a sort of an interesting period of 
history, if you like that. We all, we have these, you know, platforms anyone can hop on, can make a podcast, can make videos, can put it out there. And it's exciting. Now, the other side of that is there is a performative element to a lot of the 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 anger you know the we've all seen the headlines you know worst thing ever and you know this is ruined and that is ruined and you know it's you know i think we would be somewhat i think it would be yeah i'm trying to choose my words very carefully here um there it it is it is a it's a market that you know you can tap into and you can do very very well from that and i think there are perhaps some cynical people who do that um yeah i know what you mean yeah and it, it becomes it becomes i think a bit of a rallying point for the worst parts of fandoms mm. because it's like that it becomes because they're spreading exactly the opposite message mm. you know which is instead of like oh you didn't like you know let you know you didn't like lower decks episode caves all right well do you know what all of next gen is still sitting there you know, all of DS9 is still sitting there. Um, and it's, you know, like, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, if I, let's say I made, I made an episode of Star Trek and it's Sean Ferrick Star Trek and here you go and everything. And it is pants, right? Let's just say it is just woeful, uh, which it wouldn't be uh, just in case anyone's <laughs> looking to hire me for anything. <laughs> I, I, I myself would be like, oh, you know, gee, I wish I could have done better. Oh, at least all the other Star Trek is still there. And, yeah. you know, whatever I have put out into the world has done nothing to mar that or remove it. Um, and, you know, I just, I just I find the word woke hilarious because ask anyone to define woke and they kind of look at you sideways. It's just lost any kind of meaning now, hasn't it, really? Like, you know, Tom's woke. Look at look at Tom sitting over there. You, 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 you yeah, big woke. I feel I'm hardly woke right now. I can't keep my eyes open. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. You're um, woke with Wookiee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've had a Wookiee comment. <laughs> Actually, it's it's nice to go back to that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it has all become sort of meaningless. And, and like... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's sort of two there's two things that I kind of think of. One is fans of of like Star Trek and Star Wars, not all of them, but there seems to be a, a sort of type of fan that will watch anything and everything that comes out for that um, you know, IP. Doesn't matter what it is, they will consume it. And if they don't like it, it's as if they're taking it personally because mm. they're like, hey, I am going to watch everything you do, so you better make it something I'm going to enjoy. So that if mm. you don't, I'm going to be really annoyed with you about it. I mean, I'm sure that you guys don't like every single episode of Star Trek. Um, and what? <laughs> How could you suggest such a thing? <laughs> um, and certainly, you know, you mentioned Star Wars there, and I just remember, like, the even just the beginning bit for the Star Wars TV shows where it has all the sort of bright lights and colours and funny noises and I'm very easily amused. I just get so excited because I just think, my God, if you could tell myself as a, a kid that one day I was going to be able to just get to watch Star Wars TV shows and see that world on television, I could not have possibly believed it because as a kid, Star Wars was a film. You know, obviously Star Trek, um, you know, it had its iterations and then it came back as next gen. And, and as a kid, you kind of assume that, something's always going to be around. And as an adult, you realize that isn't the case. So now I enjoy these things even more. And 
not necessarily if they're not great I, I can still look at it and go it's great that it's here it's great that you know that that universe exists that i'm getting to see a part of it it may not be particularly what i was hoping it would be but it's it's not all about it's despite the you know wanting to go back on the bridge it's not all about me so i just i think we'll just take what you can from it and like you say if you you know you didn't like episode eight of lower decks and i can't comment because i haven't seen it yet but then you know you can go and watch another cave episode because there's quite a lot of them yeah there, 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 there really is, you know, enough so that we can get an entire parody episode called Caves. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Darren, you really need to watch the episode, trust me. But anyway, listen, I won't, I won't belabor it. Um, I think um, this is a bit of a, a bit of an easy one. Um, do, does anyone have any dissenting opinions on blasting toxic fandom out into space? No. Brilliant. Then I'm going <laughs> to slam my hand down on this panel and out it goes. <laughs> So, yeah, I've got one question for the hashtag Ask Trek Culture segment of the podcast, and then we'll say our goodbyes. Uh, a fun one here from our friend at Chris Trekkin. Um, hey, Chris. Uh, and it is, if you could make any episode of Star Trek a musical, what would be your choice and why? So I had a thought about this earlier when I was looking at the question. I can't, annoyingly, I can't remember the episode title, but it's part two um, in TNG when Picard is captured uh, and tortured. Um, Chain of Command? Chain of Command part two, yeah. I want to make that a musical. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I, oh, okay, well, just him singing Frere Jacques for, for the whole episode yeah. and driving the Cardassian <laughs> mad. Well, imagine the drama, you know, and like, a whole power ballad about how it's four lights, not five. Like you could get so much out of that. And like one spotlight down on him and as he's being tortured. Oh, you really thought that through. <laughs> I, I was honestly I was thinking about it before the podcast. I went, Oh, that'd be really fun actually. <laughs> oh God. I don't know. What would you do? Um, See, I, I, my first thought, funny enough, was I'd do Best of Both Worlds as a musical just to see the absolute clamour yeah. that it that it uh, uh, causes. Um, but you know, I'm a troublemaker, so <laughs> uh, Chain of Command Part Two. Sorry, that's perfect. <laughs> Darren, what do you think? Well, I think I would have to have something with Janeway in it because I would love to hear Kate Mulgrew sing. Yeah, I didn't so, think about the singing ability, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so I'm already thinking about, like, obviously, first of all, you have to have a diva. Then you're going to have to be able to have dance remixes. So I'm kind of you know, thinking it through. I don't know. It's something with, I don't know. oh, gosh. Threshold? Mm, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know. It's got to be a Borg Queen element to it, perhaps, as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I maybe, yeah. maybe Bride of Chaotic is too obvious. You know, it's already camp. Yeah, that's already. I, I was yeah, thinking, it's already a. That's basically maybe, a musical without the music at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe Prodigy will go down that route. 
No, I should. Have, I suppose they won't now that Strange New Worlds have done it. Um, I wonder. I wonder. Or, or is this a floodgate moment? You know, has has Strange New Worlds opened up the uh, the world now that we know that there's subspace anomalies out there that can cause uh, these musicals? It could become part of Shore Leave. Oh, I do like I do a, a diva off between Janeway and the Borg Queen does sound amazing though. Mm. I would like that because there was there was a musical number in Picard, wasn't there? So I did think it was going to go a bit bigger than it did, but but I enjoyed that. So am I being a fool? I'm not remembering that. Was it not? Did Alison Pill not do a musical number? Oh yes, of course. Of course. Sorry, of course. And she's brilliant at it. Yeah, uh, that um, Shadows of the Night, Pat Benatar. Cool. That's what that was. Go on there, Shona. Yes. I went from completely not remembering to remembering the song because I have it on a playlist, which makes it the first forgetting even worse. <laughs> Point for remembering that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I mean, I obviously love a musical, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I think Buffy obviously did it really, really well. And I think that there's been other attempts throughout various fandom franchises, things. And I think Strange New Worlds did it fantastically, but maybe it's something that should be left alone for now. <laughs> I don't see a problem with that. What, um, what, what, what a brilliant moment to bring this podcast to an end on that word of sacrilege by, <laughs> uh, by, by Darren there. Um, Darren, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it because, uh, look, you're an absolute wealth of just information about not only fandom, but a lot of what goes in to keep and fandom going. So thank you very much. Uh, I, I'm sure this is going to sound almost redundant. I'm sure everyone listening to this is probably already following you on your various social media outlets, but where's the best place to follow you, presuming not the bushes outside your house? <laughs> <laughs> no, I live in a, a gated compound. I'm very much a walking dead mentality now. Um, <laughs> you can follow SFX magazine uh, on any platform uh, under the name sfx magazine and i'm on twitter as darren underscore scott brilliant cool um thank you very much everyone thank you as always for listening along you're awesome you're wonderful we have been sean and tom you can find us on the various socials so twitter at trek culture instagram at trek culture yt of course make sure that you are liking and subscribing on youtube we are very very grateful i'm at sean ferrick on twitter and blue sky Ooh, we're also at trek culture on blue sky and tom is tom c finn and tom roberts finn on yeah, twitter as well vaguely that on twitter instagram that sort of thing Brilliant, cool. So, uh, and keep an eye out for those burner accounts. You get a you get a free hope from me if you find them. Uh, yous are all wonderful and awesome. Make sure that you live long and prosper until we see you again. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.